You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! All right, we're three for three with episodes this week. Today I'm bringing you my conversation with America Part 2. Their album, Price of a Nation, is aggressive and at times abrasive, but you can tell that it's always exactly what the band members want it to be. On this episode, we talk about the roots of their music and sound, tracking live with an extended recording process, and using their platform to bring light to their experiences as young adults in America. Enjoy. Because of the sheer scope of sounds on the album, I kind of wanted to start, you know, from the beginning and have you talk a little bit about how you got into music and what some of those first big bands or albums were for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, honestly, like for me, you know, at my house, my dad used to have uh, these these two CD, uh, I guess, uh, I don't even know what you would call them, just like giant like uh, CD holders, right? And you would open them up. They were in the living room and there, there was just hundreds of them in there. So I would just pick out everything that I liked. And definitely at like at a young age, I was definitely attracted to like classic rock. So like, you know, I was listening to Led Zeppelin. I like definitely remember uh, like Led Zeppelin 4 definitely hitting me like all those songs, rock and roll, Sarah to Heaven, Misty Mountaintop. But as I started to like, you know, mature and, you know, you get around like end of middle school and you meet some more friends and stuff. Like when I started jamming with Alex, cause uh, Alex in the band, uh, me and him, we started jamming when we were 12. He's, well, I shouldn't just say him, but him and uh, like all of our friends kind of turned me on to like some of the scene music. So I was getting more into uh, like all time low and made a parade. And so like, I was finding things myself on like MTV, like fallout boy and, uh, my Chemical Romance, and, like The Killers. And at the same time, it was, you know, like a combination of everything. And I think uh, speaking for the boys as well, like it was probably just a combination of things at like age 11 or 12 that like launched us into being like super into like Warped Tour bands and bamboozle bands. And then, you know, like uh, I had a bunch of older cousins that got me into like 90s rap and like, you know, early punk stuff. So there's just been a ton of music in our friend group, I would say. And as far as kind of like the the more like raucous abrasive side of America part two, like kind of when did your taste start to expand in that way? And what did it kind of look like for you? Yeah. Like honestly, when the band started, you know, I think we were trying to create this sound like that we were trying to hear like all throughout our youth. And it was just like this, this more polished, like punk rock. And it was almost like we were getting into like our own alternative rock sound i would say right in like 2017 and 2018 and i think right when it turned around and like when it got like 
super wild and we started like like trying different things was when we wrote split which is right after our first ep and i think uh we just turned on the engines for that one we, we tracked it live with no metronome and uh it was just super cool and and i think since then like that got such a good like reaction and also it was probably like i remember being so you know we were still so young too this was like three or four years ago so um we like didn't know what people were gonna think we we're like oh so this is like way too heavy for like for people and they're not gonna like know what to expect because you know it's like coming from us and and i think it i mean it became like our like fight song it became like our theme song almost in a way and i think uh i think we just uh just have matured a lot like in this band because you know we started it when we were like 20 21 and now we're all like 24 25 so like even like right now like when i talk to like my friends about like where we're at as like musicians and songwriters and stuff i say like right now like we're we're writing some of the craziest stuff just because like we're, we have the confidence too and like and like we just you know we've been working and jamming with each other for like three or four years straight so definitely you know you definitely get way tighter as a band yeah and i mean during like the writing process i'm curious how you kind of like strike that balance between you know creating a cohesive sound and you know having the the challenging side to the listener without kind of giving them too much whiplash oh that's a that's a beautiful question it's like you know it's so crazy because like uh i think you know anyone can agree on this like a song could be written any any sort of way like it could just be like like myself on acoustic guitar and then you know the like just the riff is coming first and then maybe the melody and some lyrics and you just you just start writing a song like super easy whereas in like other instances like when the band's together like we'll we'll meet up for band practice and you know we'll like work on like our set for like in the upcoming shows and stuff but when we get into like writing it could be something like you know someone just bring a riff or like it we just we just all fall into something that we're just fooling around on together so um i think um my favorite part about writing with ap2 is because there's the three of us you know it's the triangle i think when we're in the room together doesn't matter what instruments we're on because we're always actually like when we're like just chilling and like writing and like throwing out some like new song ideas like we'll we'll hop on like other instruments because we're all like you know uh we all like love playing different instruments and like we're basically all trained in like certain different ways you know like i played uh concert band like percussion and stuff throughout like middle school and like a little bit in high school so it's cool like when i can hop on drums like i really enjoy seeing that from like the songs writing songwriting perspective but yeah i really like when the three of us like come together like in band practice and it just like comes out so naturally and we're all feeling it and there's no like really like a question of where it's going or like not someone truly being like oh well the song is like is this like before it's even written like it's one thing if a song is completely written and someone brings it to practice like that's cool too and that's like you know that's happened so many ways it's, it's cool it's just like all different perspectives of the band i think for sure and i mean you mentioned uh before the the live tracking and it seems like that along with kind of like feeling like you're making you know something from the core of who you are is something that's kind of important. And I think it leads to kind of the immediacy in both the the music and the lyrics. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, your approach in that way. And I know uh, Price of the Nation had kind of like this extended recording process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think tracking live is so cool. Like, especially like what we've done is, you know, we'll, we'll track, 
without a metronome, uh, just the three of us with our instruments. We won't track vocals. So we'll track drums, guitar, and bass, and then we'll overdub, you know, vocals and then other guitars and then like whatever the song needs from there, whether it be like acoustics and pianos. And um, we just found, you know, like I said, like with Split, that was the first time we did it. And that was such an aggressive song. And you could just feel the performance way more. And I think for us, that's just what we like to do because even if like there's things that we have to retrack over, you know, whether it be like guitar or bass, like, and honestly, it's so funny. Like, like when, when I track like bass, like I never really, I'm never telling anyone to bump over anything. I like keeping my raw tracks. Cause I like, I like, you know, even if things are sound like a little mess up or displaced in the song, like I think that adds so much character, but I think just for us, it's, it's part of our strengths because we're trying to get the closest to our live sound. And, you know, we've been doing uh, a lot more um, like live tracking this past year. I mean, in terms of like new music and also like doing some like live performance type stuff. Uh, we got some cool things in the work works, but uh, let me bring it back to Price of a Nation uh, for the for the record. You know, the first five days that we were working on it, um, which was you know, it felt like such a huge chunk of time. Uh, we basically tracked seven of the songs, like almost fully. And then we essentially came back, uh, topped off those songs again. And that was with uh, Gary Cioni. And then uh, throughout the year, we had, uh, we did like a couple sessions with Pete Andrews where we uh, tracked three more songs on the record. And then we basically finished up everything with uh, Rob Sharapa, where he helped us just, uh, mix the rest of the songs uh track like certain layers that just needed to be tracked like 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 little things like percussions and acoustics and whatever we wanted to do to make sure the songs felt like full in their own in their own right you know because as a record like it's gotta feel cohesive but also like like if each song isn't full you know on their own level like you know it, it feels a little little thin or a little weak here and there but yeah we had a we literally had such a fun time and i'm glad that it took like a long time like it took like over i mean since since everything had been tracked like the original the original uh weekend or week that we went out there like it was probably like a year and a half later like we that it took us to finish so or maybe just like a year or so year and change probably and what was it kind of about that that length of time like how did that kind of you know, affect the way you viewed and, you know, your relationship to the record? Honestly, like, I think um, it's almost like a, like a love hate thing because at the time, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's definitely what we needed. And I think we did everything uh, that we wanted to do with this record. It just, I think it took us time to one, just get back into the studio and have it work with everyone else's time. I think that was like, you know, we, we needed to do everything physically possible. And we had such great people working on this record and everyone knew that, like, that even if we had to come in because there was like a vocal take or two that we had to do like just that day. And we only had like four hours to do it. Like we would go up to Lake Copacong, like an hour and a half from us and just do that for like the day. So it definitely like felt long as it was happening. And like, you know, every time we step in the studio, you know, we're like, yes, like we are getting done what needs to get done but also like uh you know big things happened like last summer you know uh right when september hit we signed with uh revival recordings and you know so that was also in the works while the record was being finished so 
there was a lot of things and you know that's like very new for us you know we've been working on our own essentially uh with just our crew and dim entertainment and uh yeah it's been uh it's been honestly like such a fulfilling year and a half's time just trying to like get the songs out and do everything like it it feels so good like right now that like the songs are out and people can really listen to them and enjoy them like it's like i was telling the boys like the day that the album came out like i had a i had a migraine because i felt like i released so much pressure and stress and just like the idea of other oh, like like oh getting ready for the release like the release of the record the release of the record like it was just so crazy like when it was finally out like definitely definitely felt huge <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like your attitude kind of as people is held in, you know, equally high importance, if not more so than anything else when it comes to like making the kind of like business decisions about the band. And uh, I'm curious to hear a little bit about kind of like that approach. Sure. Yeah. If I'm just being like uh, super like bare bones and raw about it, like, you know, like we have such like a, like a cool, like, I would say pretty like equal balance in the band. Like we all just bounce around like, like from different, like, you know, I guess you could say jobs that we have to do in the band, you know, cause if, if someone's, you know, worrying about social media all the time, you know, that can like just become like a thing that they're just like worrying about. And it just becomes all about that. Whereas it's about like the whole experience and, you know, like this is like a group and this is like, you know, like our lives and like, we love this because of like the art. So uh, we like really enjoy like taking our time with the things that we have to do. And, you know, that's so crazy because it's like, it's taken me my whole life. Like I've learned patience, like from Alex and the guys, like, and, you know, uh, you know, Alex and Sam, you know, the two boys in the band with me, you know, they're literally the best. And I wish they were on this call right now. You know, everyone's so busy, but basically what it comes down to like business stuff, I feel like, um, like we're all essentially like, like we all take the role of like captain essentially. And we're really good at like passing off, like where we each want to lead. Like, like for example, we worked on a music video and Sam led like all the editing and he like crushed it. And we, and like, it was so good that like he could take on that role. And then, um, you know, when the release of our record was coming out, you know, and like for like most of our like rollouts for the releases, you know, Alex has a huge, plays a huge role in like helping, like, you know, making sure that like the Facebook gets posted, the YouTube, like literally like not, nothing is missed. He is, he's definitely like on top of like, like making sure like all like, you know, that everything's organized on the business end. And, and it's cool because, because we all pass around like those, those jobs and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and I, I feel like that kind of also plays into, you know, the, I guess for lack of a better word, like the messaging of the band, like d- despite the fact that your music is kind of aggressive leaning, the lyrics are very much inclusive and kind of trying to build up like this consciousness for like social issues, political issues, um, stuff like that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I feel like, honestly, like we've, like how I said, like me and Alex have been playing music forever. And, you know, like um, I knew Sam from being from being the bassist in this uh, hardcore band called illusionist so i think just like over the years like being in like you know uh we were in like pop rock bands when we were like 13 and then we like hopped right into metalcore and you know like you come you come full circle and i think uh we're just trying to 
bring an energy to our shows and we're also trying to portray it uh in our music so like literally all we're expressing is like what we want and like what we see and uh like kind of just like what we live every day so it's it's interesting um we love like the chillest music too and and we always find ourselves writing like ballads and like you know like all of these like chill tunes and like like i don't know like like anything we find ourselves like writing all types of like variations of ourselves but um our live show is definitely a like in the aggressive setting so it's it's pretty cool to like to like weigh both sides of that like when it comes down to like songwriting and like knowing like like where we lie as a band um but you know going back to like the lyrics yeah i think we're just trying to like really just be respected by like you know our peers like in in music and like the people we look up to and also just kind of like relate because i don't think any of us are really trying to say anything like too witty or uh too crazy or maybe even like too dumbed down i think everything is just like completely just us and like honest and it's just coming from like like where we lie in music like i listen to a ton of like 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 i listen to i mean i listen to everything but for example like a huge i think proponent of music that comes out of me is like like uh like rockabilly and i think like a ton of like songwriting influence i've had was from like john fogarty and like like credence clearwater revival and i think uh like a perfect example if you look at like the lyrics on like america part two like the lyrics are very simple and they came from like me whereas like um you look at lyrics on like talk it out or something and it's like more of like like a rap you know it's almost more of like spitting lyrics instead of like uh like this kind of like this basic folk story mm-hmm. yeah and um that kind of plays into the idea of like it's one of the, like the little pull quotes is you know using your platform to journalize the experience of being a young adult in america today and i feel like you know i'm 28 so I'm, I, I still consider myself a young adult, but uh, I feel like that's not something that I think about all the time, like how vastly different what, you know, people my age or younger have, you know, experienced and how different it is than, you know, anything that, you know, anyone's ever experienced as a child. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of like, you know, using the music to, you know, view stuff through that lens? Yeah. Um, I think like growing up in Monmouth County, like we were like super fortunate, like me and Alex were super fortunate to, you know, go to the schools we went to and go to the high schools and have like a clear perspective on like what was going on. I think, um, you know, when we travel and when we tour, uh, we see a lot of the country and a lot of people that don't travel outside of their state or, you know, outside of like their surrounding area don't really know that, you know, a lot of America's poor. And a lot of America is really spread out and, you know, the culture gets spread out. And I think um, being, you know, an hour from New York City and being where we are and like, like, you know, having movies, music, culture, even just uh, seeing farmland and then being able to go to like Asbury Park, you know, you know, five minutes down the road, you get a whole set of like culture that I think someone in, you know, uh, maybe like a rural part of the country wouldn't get to experience. And I, I feel really grateful as like a young kid being able to um, make my own decisions and like have my own perspectives and see things. Cause we're just, we're just huge fans of like culture and, 
and you know like we're huge fans of i mean i'm a huge fan of like uh comedy and you know we're huge movie fans and and um yeah i think um specifically growing up on like the jersey shore like we have kind of like that feel that kind of perspective of uh or at least we're trying to portray a little bit of like what we felt like uh growing up like um in the song the bridge i think the mood of that song perfectly describes like uh, a rainy day in like new jersey or like a rainy day in atlantic highlands new jersey it's actually like about the geography of that area so if you drive around like atlantic highlands you can kind of like hear and well you could see exactly what i'm talking about you know it's cool it's actually like a pretty literal song you mentioned uh music videos before and you know there's there's the strong visual aspect to the band i think you're like five music videos deep for this album at this point i'm curious like how do you kind of approach that side of the band oh it's cool i mean i think um every project is different because you know i think um at the beginning of this band you know like you know we always have been like you know strapped for cash a little bit because you know we're we're just doing it ourselves and we're funding it ourselves so i think anytime that we could do like a cool project like it just became like the coolest thing and i i think one of the first i mean definitely the split music video uh we filmed it with a couple friends and that was such an awesome like example like just like we were trying to like create a vibe and actually a couple things didn't work we had like a live show with friends and then we didn't end up using any of that footage we only used the close-up footage and that ended up being all the footage for the live shots and i think it really really just like enhanced the perspective of the music video and it just kind of puts you right in the face of the band and that was like kind of like our first heavy music video too but yeah every every single thing is different i mean we've we've worked with uh chris uh kind of chuck uh, we've worked with Benjamin Lieber. Uh, everyone just becomes our close friends, but these are like some awesome names in, uh, you know, in video media and stuff. And they've been doing some great things for us. I mean, uh, Chris and Ben teamed up and did the, I don't want to live music video. We did live sound for that. Uh, like almost like a, like a black Sabbath music video. And we had Doug Gallo do sound for it. And, um, yeah, we did this, uh, like this green screen music video in this barn that we were staying in for a month over the past winter we were like demoing music and living out there because we needed to get out of our homes and yeah we ended up doing like a lot of projects out there so even just like that that as an example like we as as the band you know since touring wasn't really happening we had just kind of saved up money and we rented an airbnb for like a month in december and we just uh, got to write and got to just be with each other and just enjoy it I mean, I guess kind of going back to that idea of like the, the inclusivity of your lyrics and uh, messaging, one of the things that you launched kind of at the start of the year is the Hotel Resistance website. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that and how kind of how that idea came together. Oh, yeah. How? Yeah, no, uh, I forget exactly who said it, but, um, you know, we have this garage in my backyard. It's a uh, I live at my grandparents and, um, you know, they have been so amazing with like letting me do what we got to do. And they love, like, I mean, we, we would just jam in the garage and I've cleaned it out over the past three years. It was like completely overtaken by clutter and just random stuff. But, um, we kind of always did our music videos in there. We still do like a ton of work in there. It's basically like our little studio and we kind of just had this idea to uh, have like this underground public forum where we could meet and 
we we always had in the back of our head that it would be like a physical place that we could meet, you know, like post COVID or whatever, you know, when, when we could have physical meetings, like it would almost be like our fan club in a way, but yeah, as of right now, we're doing like the online forum on our, on our website. You know, if you go to americapart2.com, you know, it's got our link to our merch store mischief night and then our public forum. And, uh, you know, it just started, but, uh, basically we're just taking, uh, in like, uh, submissions of like anything that you want to say anything you want to speak about anything that you want to like project and uh we're going to make like you know when shows come back in full swing we'll probably have zines and you know just like really like stuff i just i guess more inclusive stuff just to get everyone involved like just anyone that is a part of you know our team and like that like supports us it's it's just like super cool like i'm glad that everyone was down like um like even just you know, from us to like management to the label, like everyone is just thinks it's like the coolest thing. And I think it's the coolest thing too, because, you know, you know, it's just starting out, but uh, like a couple of people have reached out and it's like super cool what everyone has to say. Honestly, it's super cool. For sure. Yeah. I think it's like a really cool way to just, yeah, stay connected and, you know, get, get to better know, you know, everyone who's kind of involved for sure. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And hopefully, hopefully we're like, we're already working on some more stuff to do on the website, but um, yeah, we got, we got something cool, uh, you know, concerning like, you know, live music with hotel, hotel resistance. Like we're going to be doing something cool uh, for like, for all the listeners that have been you know, bearing with us without the live music and the live shows and the touring and stuff. We're going to do some, something cool this next month. Hopefully people can enjoy at home. So. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, and then I feel like, you know, it's kind of one of those cliche questions typically that I frown upon uh, asking about the band name, but I, I think this is kind of an exception to that because I'm not so much interested in knowing, you know, where the name America Part 2 came from as I am kind of like what it means to you and kind of how uh, it's evolved over your time as a band. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually so funny because I love like telling the story about um, how this, how the name was found because you know, like we would do voice memos on our phone. Like when we're, you know, in your, in your iPhone, they, there's voice memos where you can like record yourself. And if I would be recording like an acoustic song, I just record it real fast, you know, save a stupid name or whatever. And I, we were just in this period where the band didn't really exist. Our previous band, the day that we broke up, we knew that like, we would be like finishing up school, finishing up some like responsibilities that we had to do. And in the next year, like we were going to like form this, like essentially this powerful group with like our four closest friends and things came together and it ended up being like a, like partly like a different group and stuff. But we're, we were always like writing songs in that period, even though like we were in a band, like, you know, it was my three best friends. We were just showing each other all of our songs. And uh, I wrote this song called America and it literally went nowhere. It was just a voice memo that I just probably even just hummed. I don't even know where that voice memo is, but uh, it was one of like a couple songs that I was working on that day. And the second song I had worked on. And I just remember that the first song was a song I was working on. And the second one was like this melody that just popped out of nowhere. And it ended up being the melody for the song America part two. And I just wrote down America part two, because the first one, like it just had like a, like a country vibe to it. So I think I'm pretty sure I just saved it as America, like no specific meaning at all. And so when we were 
like fast forward a couple months later when we were like thinking of band names that was just kind of in the batch and it was like off to the side and alex said he was like yo that's actually really cool and we kind of just let it evolve itself and so like it's cool like i think we're trying to figure it out exactly what it is like every day too because like we feel so fortunate that like our band is america part two and that like we can like push this like you know this hopeful idea that like you know that we can all do better you know it's kind of like that sort of thing that's kind of where i view it and you know anyone can view it you know like however they want you know but it's it's definitely like in a positive light because i think it's more of like you know a statement like just about like life and humanity and morality you know it's it's pretty cool like like and you know from it to come from somewhere where it had like no real meaning like it was just like a couple words that i put together just just on paper you know and then alex was literally like yo that actually is so cool like i remember him saying it for the first time and it didn't like click you know it didn't really like sound like you know sound like anything to me uh but i'm glad that like people really dig it because i think when we play and you know um like for example we played the other day and uh it was so amazing you know we've obviously been taking time off because uh of of winter in the northeast and you know last year you know we wanted to be safe throughout covid so we did uh like the first drive-in show in jersey we did we did an Elks Lodge show where we like uh, rented out the night and it was outdoors. So we've just been trying to do outdoor stuff. And we did uh, an outdoor flea market in uh, Highland Park, New Brunswick. And it, it was so great. Like being out there and being a vendor, you know, not it being a, a regular show where we have, you know, where we have like a guarantee and, you know, it's all these things. Like we just set up a table and sold our merch and we just were slinging it like it was just awesome it felt so good to be out there again just doing that for sure yeah good to be back <laughs> yep. awesome um and then i'd like to wrap up every episode the same way which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you wanted to share whether it's music or life or anything else true well i've been thinking about a lot a lot about like the beginning of like how we all started playing music recently because you know i think um it's it's a really cool question that we get asked sometimes, especially because we just dropped the record. People have, have been wondering like like how we grew up and like where our influences come from. And um, I would say to like anyone that's just like starting out an instrument, don't have any expectations of like what it should be. Because I wish someone just handed me a bass and dropped D and taught me the blues. Like I really wish someone was just like, nope, it's just you can play any note because when you're playing with people it sounds cool when you're like doing something different like i feel so free when i play my bass in america part two and i think um i think one like you know practice what you want to practice but definitely always practice like always be playing like i think that was like my biggest thing is that like i knew that like if i wanted to be like a musician like a paid musician like i had to play like 10 times more than everyone around me just every single day every single day i would just be playing so like to anyone that's picking up an instrument like any young kid just like you know play with people play with people that you love and yeah just try and pick it up and learn it for like what it is because um i i it took me literally so long to be confident with a bass guitar and i remember being in jazz band 
in like seventh grade. Like, you know, I was learning bass on essentially on the side because I wanted to be in a band with my friends. I would take lessons and stuff for like maybe like a year, but I was doing percussion in middle school, like concert band and stuff. And so when they threw me in jazz band as the bassist, I couldn't read music. And so I felt like I was like a fool and I felt like I couldn't do the things that like I was supposed to, but you know, like literally I wish that someone showed me that like, it could be just about feel and that you could just be listening to other people. You could listen to music and play along to it. Okay. I know if you checked out all three episodes this week, you're sick of hearing my voice. So I'll keep this short. Check out America Part 2 and their album Price of a Nation, out now. I'll catch you back next Wednesday for another sweet conversation. Final Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. Special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. Let's change the world together. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.